America's Desert Diaries. Hello. Arizona calling. Well, I tell you what, it's finally happened. After more than 100 days, it's rained. (laughs) Of course, my washing was out, but that goes without saying. Yep, can you believe it? The last time it rained here in Phoenix was August the 20th. And despite a good old dollop overnight, it still only rained across 15 days for the whole of 2020. And it seems... mm, That was it. There's no more rain forecast for at least the next 10 days, which means 2020 is set to be the driest year on record. It's already been the hottest, racking up 34 days in a row where it was more than 110 degrees Fahrenheit. That's about 43 degrees Celsius. Now, you might be thinking, depending on where you live, zip it, Walker, stop rubbing it in that you've not been drenched for the last three months. But I tell you what, I've really I've really felt the fact that it's been so dry for so long. It's a really odd feeling. Now, that's not to say I joined in with my daughter's Phoenician school friends who were hysterically messaging this morning saying, Wah! It's raining! Amazing! How exciting! No, I mean, come on, the last 40-odd years of living in England means it is going to be some time before I'm excited by the sight of a puddle. But... For about six weeks now, I've been noticing some kind of weird sensations. Firstly, my skin. Now, I've never really been one for a beauty regime. I have been known to enjoy a face mask in the bath, but who hasn't? But generally, I've washed my face, I've slapped some moisturiser on, boom, I'm done. I don't even know what BB or CC cream is, although maybe I should find out. But recently, my skin has started to feel like a cross between a battered leather football and a prune. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hmm, attractive. I know. Now, I've tried everything. Industrial buckets of vitamin E cream, 10,000 gallons of water a day, face oil, really. And I do all that and it feels okay for approximately half an hour and then back to sandpaper. It's just awful. Similarly, the inside of my nose has started to feel really tight and uncomfortable. And for the first time ever, Dave has started snoring. Now, we're not talking sort of pleasant... um, Look, we're not talking pleasant, snuffly type sounds that your dog makes when it's asleep on the sofa. No, we're talking oil tanker warning of imminent collision, 100 decibel blasts. At 3am. I've got quite good at kicking him. I'll just say that. Now, on top of that, the teenager, after never having had one for the first 12 years of her life, is now getting about three nosebleeds a week. A week. Now, you can imagine, teenagers, plus nosebleeds, plus many tissues, plus the inability to put anything into a bin, means the bathroom quite often looks like a scene from Psycho. It's awful. After nosebleed number three, I did actually go and look it up. And according to a website called ArizonaSinus.com, catchy, nosebleeds are quite common in Arizona. Our arid climate dries the delicate mucous membrane lining the septum of the nasal cavity, that's the middle bit of the nose, allowing it to crack and tear the small superficial blood vessels underneath. Who knew? 
hazard of living in the desert, skin like an old satchel, snoring, nosebleeds, what next? Now, I did mention this to some friends who have lived here for the best part of 20 years. You said, oh, yeah, you need to get yourself a humidifier. <laughs> now, for years, living in damp old Victorian houses that I would was doing up from scratch in Manchester, rain-soaked Manchester, no less, I had become good friends with dehumidifiers, those machines that come and suck moisture out of the air, especially good in musty old cellars when you're trying to dry damp wood for your fire, that sort of vibe. I mean, I was very aware of their work, but it had never occurred to me that anyone would want to add moisture to the air. But this seemed to make sense. So I bought one. I installed it in the teenager's room. So far, so good. No nosebleeds. So I've just gone and invested in another one. They're only little, about the size of a kettle. And uh, I'm going to update you. I'm going to put that in our bedroom and I'll update you on Operation Snoring and Operation Leather Football Face. I'll let you know in due course how I get on. Do wish me luck. In other news this week, I also put on the heating. Now, as someone who grew up through the late 70s and early 80s being told by my dad to put more clothes on every time I complained that it was absolutely freezing in February. But dad, I've already got three jumpers on. Put another one on. You'll be fine. I mean, putting the heating on during that was an absolutely momentous occasion. And usually I would have had to have been putting my school uniform on underneath my duvet before heading off to school in the morning for at least a couple of weeks before he'd even consider it. But to be fair, this time around, (laughs) the heating did go on at about 6.30 for about 15 minutes until the thermostat clicked off and it's not been on since. So there you go. Another happening this week. Unfortunately, Dave was involved in a car crash. Now, he is totally fine, but he was quite shaken up by the whole thing. The weird thing is I'd been driving home earlier that day when I'd seen a sign on the side of a freeway which read, if you're involved in a crash, move vehicles to the side of the road. And I thought, oh, what would happen if we were in a crash. Does the insurance system here in America work the same way as it does in England? Blah, blah, blah. And not an hour later, Dave rang me saying, I was driving along Greenway Road. A pickup truck has just smashed into the side of an oncoming car just in front of me. The impact was so big that a ladder strapped to the side of the pickup truck flew off, soared across the road, and rammed into the side of my car. Oh, good. Yikes. Now, as I said, he is totally fine. And despite the speed of the crash and the intensity of the crash, both drivers, amazingly, were also totally okay. You never would have guessed it if you'd seen the state of their cars. It was awful. And yes, I can confirm the US car insurance system is just as discombobulating to navigate as the UK one. Short answer, Dave needs to cough up $500 excess. Yeah, I know it's not his fault, but $500 excess for them to fix his car, which he then may be able to claim back once the crash has been through various loss adjusters and ombudsman or whatever the heck they have to do. But as one of the drivers didn't have insurance and neither of them are taking responsibility, that's about as likely to happen as rain falling again this year. I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 